What's good, everybody? Robin E. here on a new episode of Pillow Talk. As always, appreciate you for tuning in to my stuff. The love is always, 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 always appreciated. If you're not already, man, check out the YouTube page, Robin E. Vets, R-O-B-I-N-E-V-E-T-T-E. I have a new interview uploaded there with the serial entrepreneur, as I like to call him. Um, he's an amazing, amazing black business owner who has ventured out into lots of uh, different venues for himself. So if you're somebody that's interested in starting your own business, interested in seeing what type of motivation and drive and input is needed, go to my YouTube page, man, and check out my latest interview. Check out all the interviews, but make sure you check out my latest interview. <laughs> of course, if this is your first time listening to Pillow Talk, subscribe already because you ain't going to want to go nowhere. You ain't going to go nowhere. It's like four in the morning, but we here, we live, it's Sunday, and this is a long, long overdue episode, so it's only right that I have this ready for you <laughs> as soon as you wake up. New Blacklist episode, dropping right now. So I know you're probably thinking, why the fuck am I up at four in the morning? Um, but it is the weekend. I wasn't out, though. I was doing my hair, actually. I was twisting my hair up, putting some, some long twists in. So that's really what took up on my Saturday. But this is really the time frame when I'm the most creative, when I'm the most inspired, is these awkward hours early in the morning like this. So I got done with my hair, you know what I'm saying, took a shower, this, that, and the third. And I'm like, let me go ahead, you feel me? Drop this episode for y'all so it can be ready. You feel me? As soon as you get up, turn this bitch on. <laughs> Blacklist episode, always a highly anticipated topic. I always appreciate the people that tune in for that. Y'all are lit. Um, I was supposed to drop this last week. I know. I know. I know you're tired of hearing that shit, but things happen. So we're going to drop it now. Um, Yeah, of course, like I was saying... Make sure you guys check out the YouTube page. All of my interviews will exclusively be on YouTube right now just because I want to kind of bring some traction to my YouTube page. But it'll be a lot of other things that'll be on there as well. Some camera work that I'm doing, some more hosting events. So I've got a lot of stuff that I want to put on there and share with you so you can kind of get another side of Robin Yvette. So make sure y'all subscribe to my shit, man. Damn, stop playing with me. Like that shit. Getting into a couple of topics today, again, this is kind of an older blacklist, but I'm going to give it to y'all any fucking way because it's relevant no matter when, fuck you talking about. And I just wanted to kind of touch over a few things that caught my eye in black news. First and foremost, R.I.P. Pops. John Witherspoon, R.I.P. Pops, man. We lost a legend, a true father to the black community everywhere. He gonna always be pops to me. You feel me? I feel like he played everybody's dad though for like the longest. Like of course, he was known as Craig's daddy, but he was Eddie Murphy's dad in Boomerang. He was in something else too. Well, he was in Ride, which was like a little '90s movie that came out. But Wayne's brothers, pops. You know what I'm saying? It's really really sad that we're losing all of these great legends um, so close like this. He died um, October 29th at the age of 77. It's crazy. 
but he did die at home. He did die, um, you know, with someone there that he loved and in the, you know, peace and comfort of, you know, his private home. So, I mean, that's that. But it's crazy because, you know, the boondocks was about to drop. They're about to reboot that. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. I really don't even want to watch this shit no more. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, if you try to replace Pops on there, it's just like, no. You might as well kill him off. He might as well have died, you feel me? And just have Huey and, and Riley be older or some shit. I don't know. But his legacy on black you know, media, I think, aside from being funny, is being the prominent black father which is as we all know a very distant figure that is depicted within the black community especially within Hollywood um now we kind of see a little bit more of that you know depiction coming out but forever in a day you know the majority of Hollywood the majority of the world is always going to depict black fathers as absent black fathers as you know ain't shit in and out of jail being you know absent from their child's life and I feel like John Witherspoon portrayed a stagnant black father and he was a loving realistic stagnant black father you know being around being in the house being with his kids talking to his kids you know being so open with his kids I mean that's very prominent to see so I think that that's really why everybody was really moved you know, by his death, because we don't really have a lot of figures like that. R.I.P. Uncle Phil, who was like kind of our uncle, you know, quote unquote, but Pops was everybody's Pops. And that's because he had always been there and he'd always played this Pops role. So he kind of became everybody's father in a sense. It's really unfortunate, but, you know, he lived a very long prosperous life you know in the media I mean he's been in the media for years for years his son wrote a a touching tribute about him on Instagram so it was really unfortunate that we lost a great like that um you know really really sad but obviously we don't want anybody here that's struggling anybody that's here that's sick you know that's not really living up to their capabilities or just not wanting to you know go through life struggling so i pray that if he was you know going through something that he is no longer suffering so rip pops rip rodney reed so it's only right that i mentioned rodney reed because everybody is talking about this right now the black man who was wrongly sentenced and Uh, convicted of murder and sentenced to be executed for the 1996 murder of Stacey, uh, is it Stites? Stilt Stites? Something like that. So he was set to be executed in the state of Texas um, for this crime. And new evidence uh, surfaced proclaiming his innocence. So, pause. Even though this is tragic, don't get me wrong. This is a very, very tragic, very unfortunate event that transpired. Do you know how realistic this is for hundreds of other black men or minorities? There's so many, you know, minorities that are in jail for crimes they did not commit, for things that they did not do. We just watched, what, the Central Park Five shit, but just took us by storm and everybody's crying and complaining about how 
does this shit happen? This is how the shit happens right here. This murder happened in 1996. It's fucking 2019. So for all this time, all these years, y'all knew that this, this, this crime didn't happen. And now, you know, surfaced evidence that had unfolded and et cetera. But how do you really give somebody their life back? How do you really pay somebody back for years of their life spent in this cage for something they literally did not do? Mm. So the facts of the case state that, you know, the victim, white, uh, she was found raped and strangled um, in Texas, Bastrop, Texas. Husband, Jimmy Fennell, he's a cop, white, obviously. He failed two lie detector tests during this whole investigation of her death, but was set free. Not surprised, because as unfortunately, as a lot of us know as well, there's a lot of crooked-ass police. Um, when Rodney was questioned about the incident, it was come, you know, put to the surface that he was having sex with the victim willingly she was willingly going you know what i'm saying for the black dick they was having a little affair so that's how dna from him was found on her there was an all-white jury that tried him so there was just you know failed attempt after failed attempt after failed attempt and with that dna evidence they were able to sentence him place him at the crime, place him with the victim, place him as knowing the victim, and label him as a black man, which is labeled as aggressive, you know, criminal, evil, all of these other annotations that America gives us. And he was wrongfully sentenced. And then it's like, damn, y'all gonna sentence him to death. But you know, Texas, they don't play. They don't play about that that uh that death shit. They are one of those states that just really gives none. But it's really fucked up that they were able to push through that execution versus like a life sentence or like 30 years. But I'm guessing due to the fact that she was white, um, you know, that added the the death uh, (laughs) ruling on that. Again, how do you repay somebody for taking away their life? I hate to say that this is an example of leading white girls alone, but leading white girls alone. She ain't even here and she had him fucked up. You feel me? She was dead and had him fucked up. And that's just the reality of the situation. I'm so serious. And I always got to throw that out there that I'm not a racist, but it's pictures that get painted like this. And you have to sit back and, and, and think, why... When the husband failed the lie detector test, wasn't he detained? Why wasn't more investigation done on that versus somebody? I don't even think they gave Rodney Reed a lie detector test. They had the DNA and that's what they ran with at the end of the day. But I don't even think they bothered to give him a lie detector test. Who knows what questions they asked the husband? You feel me? That he failed. They could have asked him, you know, are you a killer? Have you ever thought about killing your fucking wife? And he could have failed that shit. But none of that information was used in this, you know, case, in this initial trial. It's fucked up. So the turnaround, um, according to Rolling Stone, was that Arthur Snow 
previously an incarcerated inmate signed an affidavit saying that Fennel, which is the husband, confessed to killing his fiance. So the affidavit, and if you don't know what that is, it's like a sworn statement, was signed in 2010, by the way. So, pause. You mean to tell me that y'all had some evidence that was signed damn near 10 years ago? Y'all didn't want to, y'all didn't think about letting nobody know. Y'all didn't want to bring that to the surface. Oh, okay. Okay. So the husband was in prison um, after his wife had died, you know, after this trial had happened for rape. This nigga got locked up for rape. So when he was in jail, the husband, um, Jimmy Fennell, he joined the Aryan Brotherhood. For protection, obviously, so he wouldn't get beat the fuck up. Where he confessed um, that he had to kill his nigger loving fiance. Y'all, first pause. <laughs> Y'all ever seen Oz? It's like an old jail show. He's come on HBO from like, I don't know, I think like the late 90s, 2000s. But when I was reading like facts on it, all I could think about was the whole Oz scenario. How this nigga came in there, Berker, uh, Beecher, Beecher, Beaker. Is that what's his name? Beaker, Beecher. Oh, fuck. I don't even remember his name. But all I could think about was this man coming in there with these funky glasses on and, you know, acting all cool or whatever, but really did some fucked up ass shit. Now he's going to the Aryan Brotherhood, this white white supremacy basically um I, that's what i would like to reference them as to get protection so they don't get his ass fucking kicked in fucking jail but when you're getting that protection there's obviously a lot of fucked up shit you have to do too for the Aryan brotherhood to get that protection but that's crazy as fuck right like when you see shit like this in the movies you'd be like this would never happen like word for mouth like this type of shit would never happen bro this type of shit happens. This is the type of shit that actually saves people. Because when you get affidavits, when you get confessions from people that have spent a long time or a long extended period of time with somebody in jail, and then you're offering them some type of freedom, some type of deal, something, and then it's not even a person you know that well. So in that sense, I think for me, I'm thinking, I don't even fuck with you like that. So if officer come in here and ask me about some shit that got to do with you and i heard some shit that can get me the fuck out oh i'm sorry i'm going i might say some shit i don't know you you feel me we ain't got shit to do with each other and let me let me go on about my shit so um in addition (laughs) from getting the affidavit you know within the recent months family members of the victim um an insurance salesperson have also come forth stating that Reed was innocent. Everyone um, initially stated that they assumed Reed would be exonerated, which is why no one spoke on it damn near 20 years ago. Like, that's fucked up. That's the problem with motherfuckers, you know, not wanting to stick up for everybody versus some one-sided shit. And I'm sorry, I hate to bring it back to race, but had this been a black girl, for one, that was killed, it wouldn't have been all this hoopla. That's just how I feel about the situation. I don't know. May have been, may have not been, but I don't think it would have been looked at as deep as it is. But if a white man initially was going through all of this and people felt like he was innocent from a crime that he didn't commit, they would be going hard. They would be going out there 
picking in some signs, letting motherfuckers know that this man is innocent. How can you feel? How can you know? And then you're seeing somebody go through all of these motions, go through all of these things that has to do with the crime. You already know they're innocent from. That's just fucked up that no one who did have information or felt like it was bullshit didn't speak up on it, you know. But he did, uh, Rodney Reed did have celebrities like Rihanna, Kim Kardashian, um, all these other artists that came out of the woodworks to, you know, sign a petition to exonerate him. But um, recently he was, well, he wasn't exonerated, but there was a halt put on the execution. It was blocked. So the case was sent back to the trial court where um, the original sentencing happened and they're going to go through, I'm guessing, the retrial process. I don't know really what the next steps are for that. But I'm excited that with all of this fast movement, social media was able to do something in a matter of months that the justice system couldn't do in a matter of years. This is the world that we live in. You know what I'm saying? This is the justice system that we all are supposed to abide by. How can you abide by a system that is solely created on benefiting everybody but you. And if you get caught in it, you're doomed to fail. There's no way out. There's no way that Rodney Reed should have even been spending jail time. There's no way that he even should have been sentenced for this crime. Knowing that the husband was a possible person of interest. So again, it just brings up the whole notion of law enforcement and the types of law enforcement officials that are being selected to do this fucking job. All of these crooked cops that come out of the woodworks that get sentenced for shit. It just makes you think about what is the criteria you look for when you pick a fucking police officer? Do you have a list of of, of questions and do you say, are you a racist? Do you have anger problems? Do you like harassing people? Are you violent? I mean, what what is the criteria? Because a lot of these crooked cops have a lot of the same demeanors. They have a lot of the same fucked up crimes, always killing their wives or killing killing women and shit like that, you know, or innocent people. It's just fucked up that somebody was able to get away with that heinous crime. Luckily, he was caught again for doing another fucked up ass crime, but it's just crazy. Um it's crazy. So, um, first black mayor of Talladega, Alabama. So, Tim Ragland um, was the first black mayor, also the youngest mayor at the age of 29. So, he'll soon be in office um, holding his position. I believe he's in office now. So, that's amazing, first off. Oh, my God. I didn't know that... Alabama, Talladega, Alabama had never had a black mayor. And I don't know, that may not be surprising to you, but when you're somebody that doesn't see a lot of people that look like you in powers of authority, um, when you see one that does have a power, you tend to think that maybe everybody's had their chance, but that's never the case, at least in, in the black world, that's never the case. So this was awesome. He's currently still in law school, so he was able to conquer this feat all while still in school, graduating um, in May of next year. So he's still enrolled, still a student, still learning, still growing, and was able to con- uh, conquer this feat. 
He's a Democrat and hopes to shed light on reoccurring issues, of course. Roads not being paved, vacant buildings, improve access to technology, and bring more job uh, opportunities to the area. So he beat his running mate, Jerry Cooper, uh, by a mere 24 votes. And he went to Marion Military Institute in Auburn University, Montgomery. So he's pretty fucking lit. He's pretty lit. Shout out to you, Tim Ragland, for doing your shit. He stated that if you want to see a change, make it happen. 29, uh, 29, y'all. He is 29. Not 50, not 35. 29. That's crazy. And he's a fucking mayor. (laughs) It's amazing to see shit like this. I would like... Whenever more black curriculum is created, if it ever will be added to the general curriculum to to get your GED and high school diploma and shit, I would love for them to create a roster of all of the black mayors, you know, um, black treasurers, just black officials that have made strides. We've we've gotten a lot of first strides over these past couple of years still. Still to this day, we're still crossing these barriers. And this is just another example of how much further we still have to go, of how much more we still have to cover, how many more doors we still have to knock down. So take a moment to take that in and understand that this is a first for Alabama, a southern state that is known for its racist antics. It's amazing. Brown girls do invest. Brown girls do invest. I just love how that shit sounds. Uh, Founded in 2016, Brown Girls Do Invest um, has educated hundreds and thousands of African-American women in stock market and real estate, as well as how to acquire multiple streams of income. So I saw this on BlackEnterprise.com. It's like one of my favorite little black sites to look at whenever I'm looking for shit. And I saw this article about this whole process. The founder, um, Baya Shabazz expresses how blacks need to understand the ways we impact the economy women of color are around people who don't look like them which as a result they do not have access to financial assistance aimed at their personal life i thought that was some real real deep shit whenever you think about your financial situation and you think about the different avenues that you have to change your financial situation you never initially think of that person understanding you on a personal level because they're not trying to. They want to know the facts. They want to know if you meet the criteria on paper versus the reality of the criteria you have within life and how this criteria hinders you from being fully equipped. We're not starting on the same level plan as everybody else. So why would we get treated the same? That was some real, real deep shit. Shabazz created an investing tour for African-American women. So along with other women like Courtney Richardson, Danielle Pierce, Joanna Jane, um, to provide knowledge and insight on closing the wealth gap, um, giving advice on investments and retirement strategies and just so much more. So some of the cities that they included in their tour are ATL in Chicago, uh, Philadelphia, New York, and Houston, of course. Um, it's a really, really dope thing. And it makes me question, you know, 
why more more people aren't talking about it and why more blacks aren't thinking about investing. Are blacks afraid of stocks and investments? I think that we are because we don't know everything that we really should know about it. Um, if we knew really how they worked properly, um, we may feel different about the possible outcomes understanding it versus just saying, fuck it. Fear of the unknown. So, you know, fear of failure. Obviously, nobody wants to just lose their money continuously. Nobody wants to go in there and be in the hole. So I get that. But we have to get out of this slavery mindset. You know, we have to get out of this idea that we can't do shit, that we're only destined to be a certain type of way. And this is as far as we're going to go. We have to really, really stop that. We've been conditioned for so long to go to a certain bar and stay there versus jumping the bar, you know, breaking the bar, you know what I'm saying? So that we can keep going because there is no cap on the level of success that we can reach. And this is something that we never talk about. I I don't, I never hear black people that I conversate with when we're out certain places talk about investments and bonds and closing the wealth gap, which is something that realistically we have access to if we actually took the time to learn about it. So this is a really, really great opportunity. I'm going to try to catch me a show about this because I really would like to learn more about investments and just stock markets and just kind of knowing other venues of money. You understand what I'm saying? Why wouldn't you want to know about this type of shit? The only reason you feel like you don't need to know is because you've been conditioned to feel like you don't need to know. But when you have the opportunity to know, you want to know. And you want to know more. So some black media that you need to look out for in the upcoming year. Of course, Harry Tubman. The biop's already out. I was debating on whether or not I was going to mention it on here because I haven't seen it. I had a comment I was going to read to y'all from my friend um, on Facebook about it. But I think I'm going to just wait <laughs> until I watch the movie myself so I can have a comment. But the Harriet Tubman movie is out. Um, if you don't know who Harriet Tubman is, turn my shit off at this point. Um, that's that. <laughs> But I'm excited to see a black hero get her moment and get her shine in the media. I will say that I'm tired of people saying that they're tired of seeing black, you know, slavery depictions and black history depictions in the media. I'm never going to get tired of hearing our stories. And you shouldn't either. Because the white people tell their stories over and over and over again. And you send your ass right there next to them, watching it, patronizing their shit. So patronize your black shit, too. That's all I'm saying. That's that's all I'm saying. But I'm going to make sure I go watch the movie to see how I feel about it. Um, I just like stories to be told in full capability. I don't like when people tell black stories and they leave things out or they fluff it. You know what I'm saying? Give us the raw, give us the nitty gritty so that if another person that ain't black is going to feel uncomfortable if they didn't know. You understand what I'm saying? And we need to make impacts on that shit. <laughs> um, Bad Boys for Life. Will and Martin, you feel me? Coming out again. So I'm super excited for that. Set for 2020. It's a lot of movies coming out next year. Um, I seen some trailers off for that. So make sure you go and see that shit. 
fuck all that. They're filming at Tyler Perry's new studio, which is dope as fuck. Shout out to Tyler Perry on the opening of his new studio, making strides, making big, big, big strides. And y'all can say whatever the fuck y'all want to say about Tyler Perry. He is out here changing the game. Okay? He out here changing the game. And he's trying to pave a way for other blacks. I don't care what you say. How you feel about him. You're not going to hate that man for doing that shit. So big, big ups to him for that. Coming to America. Um, also, too, Coming to America 2 is coming out in 2020. Um, the Royal Black Family is back. Eddie Murphy. Wesley Snipes is going to be in this motherfucker. So I'm super geeked about that. I love 90s Wesley Snipes. I loved him in Jungle Fever and White Man Can't Jump. Wesley Snipes was definitely part of the black elite. Of course, he was raw and blade, but I loved him in the black movies, too. That was like another Spike Lee favorite, I felt like. He was in a lot of Spike Lee movies. So he'll be in that, too. Um, Arsenio Hall, you know what I'm saying? Directed by Craig Brewer, who also directed Hustle and Flow. So that's going to be lit. They were filming that at the Tyler Perry studio as well. So two of probably the biggest... Uh, black films that'll be coming out next year, as far as I know, um, are being filmed at the all-black new Tyler Perry studio. Black excellence coming all through there. Through there. Then, last but not least, we have The Photograph, which is coming out in February of 2020, set for Valentine's Day. Starring my girl Issa Ray. I know I love Issa. Issa Ray And uh, Lakeith Stainfield. I always fuck his name up. I'm sorry. But he was in the Get Out and Sorry to Bother You. And he was in a lot of shit. Um, Daniel. Uh, well, I don't. Yeah, Daniel. He going to be Daniel. Fuck you talking about. From Insecure. <laughs> He's also going to be in the movie too. The Photograph. So I'm excited about that. It's a black romantic film. Um, it's focused around this old uh, photograph of Issa's mother. Which then drives her into the arms of love. And um, struggling with her incapability to love. So let's just support us a black romantic film y'all. We love Issa. Issa ha- is a very powerful uh, independent monument in media right now and she's making strides as well you know for black people and I feel like she is trying to create you know a black lane and it doesn't have to be you know guns and violence and street life and you know the basic depictions that we're always shown of black people all the fucking time we're we can be romantic and we can be corny sometimes you feel me we can be real low-key you feel me and just do our shit so i think that she's trying to just show that we are capable of romance we're capable of you know silly laughter and banter and and expressing ourselves and all the little mushy gooey things that come with a romantic movie um so please patronize that the photograph with Issa Rae that is coming out in 2020 so make sure y'all see it fuck make sure y'all see it so that is blacklist that is blacklist for me um make sure you guys tune in and subscribe to pillow talk and the youtube page i'll have some more interviews coming up all next month I'll be hosting um, a couple events, so I'll have some blogs up for that. So that'll be lit as hell. I got some books, too, that I grabbed, and I want to do some book reviews. I got a lot, man. I got a lot going on. So make sure you guys tune in. As always, check me out on social media, my Instagram, Robin E. 
and my Twitter E93 Robin. Um, make sure you check out the Pillow Talk Facebook page. Like it, share it, subscribe it. And if there's anything that you want to talk about or any books that you're reading or anything, if you just want to shoot the shit, uh, write me, message me, email me. Fuck you mean. I'm, I'm with all of that. All of that. <laughs> so I hope you guys appreciated this episode. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Peace out.